Welcome to the Valley View Podcast. My name is Caleb Chamberlain, and I'm the pastor here at Valley View Church. We are so grateful that you are joining our church family as we pursue the Lord's heart and His plan for all of us. It is our desire to grow, and we are excited that you get to join us in this adventure. So grab your Bible and prepare your heart to seek God's face and all that He has in store. Well, this morning, I mean, it's really good to get to meet together, right? It's really good. It's important. It's not only important, it's great. It's a good, it's right that we get together to not only hear about the Holy Spirit, because again, like I could teach you guys all day long, and none of us experience it, does it matter, right? It won't matter. That'll matter for... It'd be like, oh, that was nice that he taught me something, and it felt kind of good. But no, you guys get to engage with the Holy Spirit. You guys get to engage. He is living in you. He's living in you and I. And he longs to live in all of us, right? He, he lives in us. Isn't that awesome? Has it, hold on. I'm getting a lot of quietness, and I don't... I know Keith's not here, so... But that's not the only excuse. <laughs> no, we miss. Oh, I love Kevin Keith here. Oh, man. But like, no, isn't that exciting, though, to have the Holy Spirit, the living, the God, the Spirit of God living and residing in you, in your innermost man. He is doing things. He's bringing wisdom from the Father. He's sharing all the deep truths of God. Isn't that cool? Man, it's a beautiful thing. Like, if we could just say, again, if we could live in that reality, it's up here sometimes, like, I know, yeah, I know. It's like the mom saying, I love you, and the girl's going, uh-huh, yeah, I know, I know. It's like, but no, when they experience that truth, that love that goes so deep, like, and they look back, oh, that was so beautiful. I didn't realize how much you loved me. Again, it's going from an immature understanding or mental understanding to a mature resonating in your deep bones, love, knowing the love of the Father, knowing that He resides in us, and He's strengthening you right now when you ask, strengthen me, Holy Spirit, in my inner man, so I can experience the love of the Father right now. Man, so we just need to be engaged with that. Let's, and that's what Paul longs for. We, we talked last week. I'm just going to recap it real quick. Um, last week, we, we, we've been talking about Holy Spirit for a while. Right? We've been talking about him for a while, and I think, I forget who I was talking to, but we're going to be probably talking about him for a while. <laughs> That's the goal. We were talking about Holy Spirit because we don't know him in the way we long to know him, and I want to know him. I don't want to be like, oh, I know him. It's like, oh, I want to reside. I want him to feel, I want to feel that experiential knowledge from him. So we're going to begin, um, we're going to recap from last week a little bit of the blessing that Paul left the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 13, 14, in which he encourages, he's encouraging the church. He's telling the church all these things. He's like, I want you to know who's in you. We talked about it. I think we focused on chapter 5, this last life group. He's in you. The Holy Spirit resides in you. He's the Holy Spirit. You are a temple. He's talking about the significance of you play. He's talking about repentance. He's talking about all sorts of things. But he's, I want to end this powerful letter with a blessing. And we know Paul prays these powerful blessings. He prays these powerful prayers. And of course, again, it seems so simple, but when you look at this, this blessing, his final blessing of the Corinthians, he says, may the grace of the Lord Jesus, the love of the, fa- love of the God, and I, I'm going to paraphrase, love of the God the Father, because it is God the Father, and fellowship of the Holy Spirit with you all. I want him to be, you guys to have that. He wants, he wants us to understand. He's highlighting the relationship we have with the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. 
right? The grace of Jesus, the love of God, the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. I want you to experience this. It's through the grace of Jesus that we get to experience the love of the Father and the Holy Spirit. He longs for us to have the fellowship, relationship, not just like, he's, oh, he's in you, but we don't talk to him. That's kind of weird, right? That'd be like a weird, weird relationship if you were friends in a house and never talked to each other. And you're like, I know you're there somewhere. I hear things about you, but I don't have any relationship with you. That's how we treat Holy Spirit often. I mean, again, we neglect relationship, fellowship with Holy Spirit. We don't talk about him. We don't talk to him. He's a third part of the Trinity. We don't talk to him. We talk to Jesus. We talk to Father, but we forget to say, oh, Holy Spirit, you reside in my innermost man. I'm going to talk with you. That's so important. And we're going to be talking a little bit about that later here. But we broke down as through grace of Jesus that we get to experience the love of the Father and it's experienced with fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The love of the Father is also experienced through fellowship of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit pours the love of the Father. It says, it says in Romans 5, 5, it's through the love of the God the Father is poured out into us through the Holy Spirit. And uh, Galatians 4, 4 through 7, it really brings all this idea together. It says, when the set time had fully come, God sent his Son born of a woman, born under the law, to redeem those, us, under the law, that we might receive adoption to sonship. And because you are his sons, God sent the spirit of his son into your hearts. He did this. The spirit who calls Abba, Father. So you're no longer a slave, but you're God's child. And since you are his child, God also made you also an heir. It's through the Holy Spirit that the Son and the Father make their home in us. He's making his home in us. That's, isn't that crazy to think about? He's making, establishing, Barb shared about it, and it was a really good question because we're trying to figure out, like, how do we experience more and more of the Holy Spirit? Like, is it like an onion where you peel back more about him? And then Fred and Barb shared a really good, just like, dynamic duo right there, like, just sharing two parts of the way to look at the Holy Spirit. He is a person and he's in your home, and you can allow him to be in parts of your home, or you can cut him off from parts of your home. Like, like again, I think about my dad. Um, again, I'm from a big family, if you don't know it. Um, if I ever rolled in here, you'd be like, oh my goodness, I should show you a picture. There's 40 of us that were in a cabin. Um, this is this is in, internal family with siblings, with, uh, with husbands and wives and kids. And it's, it's just a big, packed-out place. But the reality is that would not have been if it had been my dad's decision. He wanted three kids. He wanted three and no more. He's like, this is a big family. Three is big. I'm good. And so I'm like, I'm only at four. So <laughs> I can't imagine how he'd feel like three is good. And so the Lord was like, okay, you've let me in most of your house. You let me have lordship of most of your house, but there's this big thing, glaring issue, your family, you won't let me have any control over. Could you give it to me and trust me and I have blessings behind that? Like that, he's like, oh, I don't know, I don't know. It took him six years to come to that conclusion. Yes, Lord, I'll give you everything. And he gave that, and of course, I come along, so I wouldn't have been here. Thank God for God working in him, because I wouldn't have been here. It's just, and then there's a whole slew of us, and so there's now 12 of us. Um, so not three, 12. Um, and again, it's just like what God has in store for us. He's like, I want to be in every part of your life. I love you. I want to have relationship, not just lordship, but relationship. Because, if it's, because like, again, like, not like a servant 
we're not like servants, we're friends. He's like, I call you friends for the, friends know what I'm thinking. I'm not calling you servants, I'm calling you friends. He invites us into friendship. In Colossians 1.27, it says, uh, to them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles, that's you and I, the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. It shares that this glorious, rich mystery, which is Christ in you, he's our hope. God's making his home in you and I, in you, in you, not just some of us. He's making his home in you. And it's amazing. We get to make, we get to make a house for God in us. Like we get to establish things. I think about our home. I mean, some of us are visiting our, our homes like, man, that's a disastrous home. Or man, I got some things to clean up. No, but when you have somebody who's like, I want to do stuff, it's like, I want to make up this house together with you. I want to put, like, do you remember when you were all single? Some of us were single. We had our own lifestyle. We had our own things. Um, we had our unique items we liked to keep. And then we got married and some of those things got pushed out the door. You know, things got prettier, nicer things got put up on the wall. You know, as men especially, we, like, we have our own ways. And my life changed when I got married dramatically. Um, I thank God for it because my house looks a lot better than it would. Um, but that's just what's beautiful about what God is wanting to do with us. He wants to make his home in us. And not just where he comes in, but he, he has fun time putting touches. He's like, oh, look at this. Isn't this beautiful? And he's showing us revelation of this in our home. But can we, get, we accomplish this? He is accomplishing this through the fellowship. It's through fellowship with the Holy Spirit. So as we participate or have fellowship with the Holy Spirit, this brings us the body of Christ together, it unites all of our hearts, our minds. Because again, we're making not just a house me, we're making a house us. We're building up a house that he can be housed and he can be glorified. So he's uniting our hearts, he's reuniting our minds and our desires, and it's only done through fellowship with the Holy Spirit, as it's mentioned in Philippians uh, chapter 2. And that's where we left off. Um, we came away with these three points. The first one being the grace of Jesus, the love of God the Father, the fellowship of the Holy Spirit. The second point was all believers are called or invited to communion with the Holy Spirit. And the third point was God wants intimacy and partnership with us. He wants it. He's not demanding it. He's desiring it. He's zealous for it. Again, we're invited, not forced. We are wanted and we're given a way to commune with God. We can neglect it, or we can say yes to it. It's something he's asking us to do, not a way he's forcing us to do. We have an opportunity to say yes or to remain passive. We get that invitation. Isn't that amazing? Hold on. Is that amazing that we get to say yes? And he says, let's go. <laughs> he wants adventure. Like When we say yes... Again, every time I think of the word yes, yes, the word yes has been forever wrecked in my mind as a certain story. I, I, I made a short video about the story, the journey of a yes. It was about this person in Haiti and all this work that this woman that was a Haitian that did, all this amazing stuff. And again, it's about, not about her specifically, but it's about her yes. She said yes. And then somebody else said yes. And then someone else said yes. And then I'm talking with this guy, interviewing him, asking him a question. I'm like, okay, you had a hard part of the story. You wasn't always, it wasn't cakes and rainbows. It wasn't always easy. And I was just reminding him, we're just talking through like, okay, tell me about your experience. Tell me about how you said yes. Tell me about how you said yes again and again. And he's like, oh. 
I said, what if you had said no? That was my good question, like big question for some of them. Like, what did you have said no? He's like, well, the reality is somebody would have do- else would have done it. Someone else would have gotten that. Someone else would have enjoyed this. But I got to say yes. And I'm so grateful I was invited to say yes. And he just started crying because he just started thinking about, again, it wasn't easy, but it was healing thinking about, God, you invited me to say yes and partner with your heart. How beautiful was that? I got the opportunity. I could have said no at any point, and he could have missed out. But he thanked God. He's like, and so for us, like, how much do we just neglect the Holy Spirit? And he's like, I want to invite you to something bigger. Not something grand, not something where we're the president. I, again, I'm not saying you guys can't be the president. It might be a little hard, too late for some of us. But again, he's not inviting us to the big things. He's inviting us to the grander things that is life with the Holy Spirit. Oh, I don't want to remain passive. God help us all. God help me. Just say that. God help me. <sighs> we want to pursue. Okay, so the question of the day before we move forward, because we can't move forward unless we're all in agreement on this. Do we want to pursue relationship with God? Hold on. Wholehearted. Are we? Are we here? What else are we here? Okay, good. Because like, we can't. We can't not do anything without wholehearted yes. And like, again, that doesn't mean you know everything. That doesn't mean you know all what's going to happen next. It's like you say, I want to bungee jump. I don't know what's all involved. I'm a little scared of the possibilities. But I said yes. Okay, so I'm not asking you to bungee jump. I might ask you something worse than that. I don't know. Who knows? I don't have to know. But God knows. Holy Spirit will lead us. And he's kind. He's good. He stretches us. He challenges us. He's like, you know what? I'm going to go. I want you to get out of the, the boat a little bit, okay? Challenge us. Something that we thought was impossible. But the reality is, first we have to say yes. We just have to say yes. And then we can continue on. So we're going to continue on. Um, we talked about last week two places we can focus our mind's eye. Um, again, these are just ways of fixing our, our eyes on God. Again, it's not like some weird meditation where you have your third eye. It's like not that. It's like it's your mind's eye. You're just making a mental picture like, who is God? Where is he? What is he like? His relationship. Start coming to that place of prayer and connecting with his heart. So first, and if you have your notes, just making sure everyone's got notes. First, we put our eyes on God on the throne. As we pray, we fix our eyes on God who sits on the throne. In John 17, 1, I love Jesus. When he prays, he's, he's, we love this, I love this chapter. First of all, it's a great chapter. It's just, just looking at the heart of the Father, the heart of the Son, just connecting together. But Jesus, he says, after he says this, he looks toward heaven and he prays. And he talks about in different versions, he looks up, he looks to heaven. It's, it's this idea of looking up to God on his throne. And, and when I'm just imagining, again, I just think it's kind of fun. What fun it must have been for Jesus. Again, like this is what we're trying to do is look like Jesus. Now, Jesus knows the reality of the throne room. He's been there. So he knows the reality of the throne room. He knows and he's, he knows what's important. This is why it's important. When Jesus does something, it's important to do it, right? Like when he prays, we want to pray like him. I want to pray like you. I want to fall like you. I want to, I want to walk like you. I want to look more like you. So when he's fixing his eyes on the throne, on heaven, he's looking at something that's not movable, that can't be shaken or destroyed. He's looking at something that remains in power forever and ever. He's looking to the God who sits on the throne, his father. We see him living out Colossians 3, 2. 
which it says, set your, your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Fixing your eternal perspective. He's like, okay. Because again, he's about to go undergo something hard. He's about to go undergo the crucifixion, accusation, rejection. Um, it's going to be hard. But he doesn't fix his eyes on that. He fixes his eyes on the Father who sits on the throne. Again, I always kind of wonder what Jesus remembers from his time in heaven before. Like, you know, again, he's man. I wonder what, like, does he have a revelation? Does the Holy Spirit pour? I don't I just, you know, the things you kind of wonder, like, what was it like to be Jesus, fully God, fully man, living in flesh, trying to picture what it looks like? Just, again, like, I don't know. I don't, I don't know what it is. But again, I believe that he has a really good grasp of what it looks like there. I know that for sure because he, he knows where to look. He's constantly looking to his Father. But when Jesus is setting his eyes, he's setting his eyes on the revelation for reality. Where we see this going on. I'm going to read through that. Uh, again, I don't know if I've got all the slides. I do have the slides this time. Okay. It's last time I just read it. Through, but I just want, again, as you do this, we're just going to be put into practice a little bit, okay? Set your mind to this. After this I looked, and there before me was a door standing open in heaven. And the voice I heard speaking to me like a trumpet said, Come up here, and I'm going to show you what must take place after this. At once I was in the spirit, and there before me was a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. And the one who sat there had the appearance of jasper and ruby, a rainbow that shone like an emerald encircled the throne. Surrounding the thrones were 24 other thrones. Surrounding the throne were 24 other thrones. Seated on them were 24 elders. They were dressed in white and had gold, crowns of gold on their head. From the throne came flashes of lightning, rumblings and peals of thunder. In front of the throne, seven lamps were blazing. These are the seven spirits of God. The spirit of God is in there. That's so powerful. Also in front of the throne was what looked like a sea of glass, clear as crystal. In the center and around the throne were four living creatures, and they were covered with eyes in front and in back. These creatures are wild looking. I just, I can't wait. I'm also a little nervous about meeting these creatures. I mean, again, just to picture these creatures with so many eyes. The first living creature was like an, a lion, and the second was like an ox. The third had a face like a man, and the fourth, fourth was like a flying eagle. Each of the four living creatures had six wings. It was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings. Day and night, they never stopped crying out. They never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. Whenever the four living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, guess what happens to the 24 elders? Those 24 elders fall down. They fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever. And they lay down their crowns before the throne and they say, you are worthy our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will, they were created and have their being. This is powerful. This is what Jesus is fixing his eyes on. He's like, I'm not dissuaded. This is going to be hard. Yeah, being, being beaten, being crushed, but not destroyed. I'm going to be put through the worst of the worst. I'm going to have all sin, but here's where I'm fixing my eyes. God on the throne. It doesn't mean it's going to be easy, but I, when you have your eyes fixed, again, as we pray, how many times do we get in circumstances where we're like, okay, God, there's just no way. But if you get that kind of perspective, it shifts everything. It shifts who you are, because guess what? You get to walk in. 
You get to go in because you have the blood of the Lamb covering you. We look up to God on the throne. We behold his beauty, his majesty. Again, how dare we get bored with God? How dare we get bored with time and worship and time seeking his face? Again, like when we, again, I'm not saying, I, I'm saying it, how dare I? Because I have done that. <laughs> I've done that. I get to a place of boredom and I'm bored. I'm like, he's like, have you looked up to the throne room recently? Have you looked at me recently? I'm pretty cool. I'm not boasting. I just am. It's like, it's one of those things that like, I just am. Look at this. This is powerful. This is beautiful. Again, what makes the angels cry out? They're just getting this revelation. They're like, oh my gosh, they have all these eyes and they're seeing him for all that he is and all these different attributes. And oh my goodness, he just keeps overwhelming us. And when they're overwhelmed, oh my goodness, the elders are like, oh, we're undone. Bam, they're down on the ground. They're praying out. They're crying out. They have nothing to hold onto their heads. Like, no, I don't want to hold onto this crowd. Give it to you. I want to give it back to you. It's yours. It's yours. This is all the glory belongs to you. This is the worthiness of God. And this is what happens when we set our eyes. Again, I just urge you, when you sit and be still, set your mind's eye on that place and just say, God, you are worthy. If you are worthy and I'm not find myself overcome and overwhelmed by the blood, like by, by this beautiful image, what's in me? God, show me what What's the condition of my heart? Because if I'm bored, why am I bored? Why am I not overcome? Why am I not getting revelation? I want to cry out this. Again, it's my desire. Now I'm hard. I'm, I might be struggling with that, but it's my desire. Man. I just encourage you, take this. I want you to take this into practice. I want you to do this week. But we're going to look at the second point. This is where we're actually practiced today. We're going to look to the God who dwells within. We've talked about it. I've been touching on it. Like, but really, we're going to look at the God who lives in you. He lives in you. John 7, 38 through 39. We've read this several times because Jesus stands up. Actually, this is, um, this is actually what happened with the woman at the well. So I remember if this is the time where he's standing up audaciously or this is the woman at the well. But he talks about, he's like, whoever believes in me, as scripture said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And by this he met the Spirit, whom he, they had believed, whom those who had believed in him were later to receive. This is the desire. Rivers, he calls it the river. The Spirit of God is residing in us. And it's just like, and John says, in John chapter 7, it says, Holy Spirit is living water. He is flowing. He's in our innermost man, flowing river of living water. Living water that satisfies, right? As it talks in John 4, he talks to the woman at the well. It satisfies. It gives life. It brings life. Holy Spirit flows and continues to flow right to our mind, our will, and our emotions. Again, like how often are we just overcome by depression, anxiety, fear. Again, we've talked about it. That's not the spirit of God. That's the spirit of the darkness of this age. When you're wrestling with this, it's not saying, well, shame on you. It's no, it's like, okay, I know whose spirit that is. Holy Spirit, overcome my mind, overcome my will, overcome my emotions. He transforms our thoughts, our perspectives, our desires, our hopes, our emotions, how we feel. He is transforming it. Again, I, talk, I love talking with Keith. Every time we're like, 
I'm not who I was. He just constantly is telling me that. And I, we see it. We see the fruit of what God's doing. It's like he is no longer the person we met when he was first here. And again, I, I didn't even get to see that guy. <laughs> I, get to, I get to read the benefits of just how much he's grown and how he continues to grow in the Lord. But it's through the power of the Holy Spirit that's in him. So when we ask God, because we ask, like, you've heard that, renew my mind, renew a right spirit with me, renew my mind. When we dialogue with the spirit of the living God that flows out like a river, we invite him to renew our mindset, our will, and our emotions. Holy Spirit, he flows out and reveals the brokenness. Right? We have brokenness. He's revealing, he's like, hey, look, you have this wrong mindset in you. He's not mean. He's just pointing it out. He's like, here, I'm just letting you know. You have this mindset in you. It's not of God. And then he helps us control our emotions, right? He gives us a spirit of self-control. Again, like we can be sad, we can, we can be angry, but he's like, no, I'm going to redeem your mindset. I'm going to show you the brokenness. I'm going to help you control your emotions. That way, when you are sad, when you are angry, when you feel those things, take it to him in prayer. He's like, no, I want you to, I'm going to lead your will to me. I'm going to produce, I'm going to bring something again. Like he's just, he's so kind. He's like, I want to help you with this. But yield to me, put your yoke upon me. That's going to, I'm going to help you, teach you. I'm going to lead you. I'm going to walk with you. That yoke, we're walking with him. Our will is his will. But we have to be willing. We have to put that yoke on. We have to put it on. Romans 12, 2 says that we um, do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, perfect, pleasing and perfect will. It's this idea of don't become just, okay, look at the world's mindset. How easy is it just to go, flow, go with the flow? Go with the flow. Just, just chill. Don't worry about it. Just do what they do. Again, it's not always that like, obvious. and It's not always that we're, we're, it's just little things. But it's the, what he's talking about is like, I don't want you to remain passive. I don't want you to be angry and defiant, but I'm just like, I want you to understand, don't be overcome because passivity leads to conformity. We conform with the ways of the world. We conform with their patterns, their thought life, their desires, their spiritualism, and it's all lies. But we need to realize we need to not be passive, but we need to overcome the patterns of this world. And the patterns of this world will distract you. They're going to confuse you. They're going to cause division, Right? How often are you feel just like when you look at what's going on around you, you're like, I don't know what's going on. I have no clue. There's no discern. There's no like clear anything, not even an agenda, except for it's lawlessness. It's brokenness. Again, it's not like we're not just hating on the world, but like really the reality is they're under the influence of the darkness of this age. We need to not conform to it. We don't need to be angry and put it on Facebook. Don't do that. Don't do that. Get off Facebook. No, but the reality is like, no, Lord, renew my mindset. Renew my understanding of how you see me. Because again, we, when we do that, we can test God. We can test and approve that God's will is perfect, good, pleasing. It, we can see it clearly. But it has to be by willing participation. We have to participate with Holy Spirit. And when we say yes, he transforms our mindset. We have to do that. And we set our eyes on that Philippians 4, 8. I love this. I think me and Laura, we love this passage. Finally, brothers, right? Whatever is true, whatever is 
noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, lovely, admirable. If anything is of excellence or of praiseworthiness, being praiseworthy, think, think of these things. Set your eyes on these things. Again, that's that throne room. If there's anything that's noble and pure and perfect, that's the throne room. <clears throat> and we're subduing our bodies for righteousness, right? Because reality is our flesh is weak. Our flesh wants to do what the flesh wants to do, but we are being renewed, we're being sanctified, and so we actively put ourselves under the submission to God. Romans 6.13, Do not offer any part of yourself to sin as an instrument of wickedness, but rather offer yourself to God as those who have been brought from death to life. Give Him everything. He saved you from everything Give him everything. Don't offer a part of yourself. Offer every part of yourself to him as an instrument of righteousness. Let him do his perfect will in you. And in John 4, 13 through, 4, uh, 13 through 14, we've read this a few times, and this is, this is, so before it was when Jesus was audacious, this is the passage where Jesus is talking to the woman at the well, the Samaritan woman. He's telling her, he's like, they're having a conversation, and she's just like, what are you asking? <laughs> what, what are you talking about? He's, you know, Jesus is in this whole heavenly realm. He's talking about this water that you will never thirst anymore. And she's like, uh, what? If you, if you knew who I was, you would ask for me for water. That, that's, the, that's the question he poses. And she's like, hold on. First of all, you got nothing. You have nothing to draw this water from. You don't have a bucket. Where's your bucket? At the well, where's your bucket? You can't get water, okay? And also, the well's deep, so you can't just like go and reach down with your hand. So where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob who gave us the well and drank from it himself and did also his sons and his livestock? Jesus answers her. He says, everyone who drinks this water is going to be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. What's this mean? That phrase, welling up to eternal life, what does it mean? God is dwelling in us, and he's bringing us his life, right? Because we don't have life in us. We are not life. We're dead. We're dead in our trespasses. No, he brings his life. He brings his wisdom. He brings his fruit, right? The patience, peace, joy, kindness, self-control. He brings all that, and he brings his power. And not some people's, not the exclusive people's life, in all of our lives. This is offering to all of us. He's doing this. He's actively producing life in you. He's producing unto righteousness, unto eternal life. So as we commune with the Holy Spirit, we're setting our eyes on him, allowing him to work within us. We see the way he works. He works in different ways. He has, he's light. He's fire. He's river. He's a, this flowing river in us. He's, he's bubbling up in us. As we see him as light, he is revealing things. John 18, 8, 12 says, man, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness. You guys are going to have light of life. You're going to have light in you that's life. He's, he is overcoming darkness because the light, uh, the darkness cannot overcome the light. The light overcomes darkness. He is life and light in you. He is fire. He is burning in you. He is consuming fire, as it says in Deuteronomy 4.24. Right? He consumes every unholy thing. He, he keeps us, that keeps us back from loving him. Does that make sense? Am I going, I, I know I'm going a little fast. I just, I got that face. I'm like, I just want to make sure. 
Do you get it? He's light. He's revealing things. He's enlightening our eyes. He's going to the God, the God, the Father, and bringing all deep things, deep truths. He's enlightening us. He's giving us perspective. He's fire. He's burning with zeal. Man. Holy Spirit, as we talked, he imparts love. Right? We, we receive love. He's the burning, consuming love. He's not just fire like where we just experience fire. He is a consuming fire that tests and approves things. He's helping us understand what is worthy, what is, what is worth value. Our God is a consuming fire. I'm going to skip a little forward. And these passages are in your, your notes. I encourage you to read through them. For zeal for your house consumes me. This zeal is fire. This David is talking about. He gives a zeal. And as, as a river, Holy Spirit is living water overflowing in and through us. Again, what does this have to do with fellowship? Right? You're like, okay, cool. That's, that's who he is. It's like, no. But that's what he is as a person in you. Doing this, His ways, He is He is flowing in us. He's as we actively engage them, like Holy Spirit, do something in me, renew my mind, flow into my heart, consume this this anxiety that I have in me, burn it up, this wrong mindset, make it holy. I want to be like you. I want to think like you. I want to. I want to understand your desires. So, as a river, a living water in us, He is overflowing in and through us. And as a river, He's we're experiencing waves of who He is, His love for us, His desires, His ministry. Again, we're we're getting a perspective. He just He washes, He spills out of us. Like again, like there's those people. I'm like, you just experience Holy Spirit all over them. Again, they're just oozing, oozing with Holy Spirit. You can just sense them like they're just dripping wet. Like just, you just experience the love, this this sense of this tenderness. And as they start talking, like, who are you? Like, I don't understand. You're nothing like anybody I've experienced because God, who is in you, is and it's just you just kind of feel touched that connection. It's because Holy Spirit is pouring out of them that connection, the Holy Spirit connection. He's flowing in and out of them and through them. And so what we're, our goal is, because we always say, oh, it's for somebody else. It's for the big pastors, preachers, evangelists. It's for those cool people. It's not for me. It's not for me to experience this amazing fellowship with the Holy Spirit. I, I just have him. It's like, no, he's called you for a deeper fellowship. That's why Paul prays this. He's like, I want you to have fellowship, friendship with the Holy Spirit. And so this is where we're going to finish up. We're going to, we're going to practice this exercise, and I encourage you to take this exercise. You might want to write notes um, here for this. I don't know if I've got all this stuff in here. So we're going to take time to put into practice a great exercise that will help you engage with the Holy Spirit, the God who resides within you. So when we do this, and I encourage you to do this at home, we're going to do it calmly, quietly. We're going to connect with Holy Spirit. We just, we're, you know, Jesus would go. He would, he would go and be quiet. He would have a quiet place. He wanted to have, because again, like busyness, we're constantly be robbed of time with God. We're constantly being bombarded by, you have to be busy. You have to be doing this. And, what, and again, that spiral mindset, like, I have so much to do. It's like, no, spend time with me. Quiet. Calmly. 
It says in Psalm 131, verse 2. Oh, I guess it's all there. I don't have that, so I'll just, we'll just read that. Um, it, just, it talks about quiet my soul, quiet my mind, will, and emotions. It's, it's coming to that place because like all, all these senses, everything I'm thinking, like, God, come here. Be, help me calm my thought life. Calm my emotional life. Help me have control of my will, where I'm going. I want to listen to you and engage with you. And then you come to a place of peace and rest. Busyness and noise are thieves of putting yourself in a place of rest and not communion. It doesn't mean you can't be busy, right? But there's got to be a place of peace and resting with the Holy Spirit. So calmly, quietly, coming to a place of peace and rest, and then take time to picture Holy Spirit who is in you. He's living in you. Where is he? Where is he? He's in our inner man, strengthening us. What is he doing? What's he feeling? What's he experiencing? Like, what does he desire? And you start lingering in Holy Spirit's presence. And I'm just going to bring this up because this is such a good thing. When we speak to God, when we speak these things, this is important. Slow down. Slow down. Some of us like to pray fast. Hurry it up, get through your list. Move on. You've done your quiet time. We're done. No, he says, slow down. Don't talk quickly. Don't rush. Just slow down. Speak softly. Don't shout. Don't just shout at him. Just, man, just rest like, oh, God. With humility, with reverence. You're God on the throne. Just start engaging. Holy Spirit, you reside in with me. And speak briefly. Short phrases. Don't, don't just talk the whole time. Give Holy Spirit time to speak to you because he wants to say things. And speak affectionately because we love God the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. We love him. We love God. We love Holy Spirit. But we're just trying to connect with his heart. We're trying to connect and be in fellowship with him. So we speak affectionately. Like We don't just say, What's up, Holy Spirit? Like just no, it's oh Holy Spirit, you who reside in me. I like you. <laughs> I love you. Help me to know you more. I want to know you more. So uh, these are the five phrases to pray. As you slow down, as you take time to pray, take these pray these back to God, right? You start with T. Thank you, God. Thank you for all that you've done. Thank you that you've been poured out into me and that you are Renewing me, you give me life. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you search the deep things and you reveal these beautiful things to me. That you testify to the Father of who I am. I'm whole, I am the Son. You are Abba, Father. Thank you, Holy Spirit. And then you go on to reign. Reign in me. Because that's the thing we want. We desire God to reign in every part of our life, right? My mind, my will, my emotions. I want you to reign in my life. Everything, my finances, everything I'm deciding to do. God, would you reign in me? I give you authority. I give you lordship over this. I give you reign in my heart, God. And then use me. Because, man, Lord, I don't want to just sit here. I don't want to sit here and just receive from you. Use me for your glory. Strengthen me. Strengthen me. That's what he does, right? We talk about Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God that strengthens us and in our inner man. Strengthen me in my love, 
my devotion, my faith, my heart. Strengthen me, O God. And then teach me. This is where we finish it. Teach me, God. Reveal things to me I'm not understanding. Help me understand. Teach me what I'm supposed to do. Teach me how to love. Teach me how to submit to you. Teach me how to love my family well. Teach me, oh God. This is how we do it. We, and you can pray this. You go through it slowly. Not fast. You're not in a rush. It's relationship. When you're just talking, again, listening. What does he want to say? Maybe he's like, like God, I want to trust you. I want to trust you. So reign in me. He's like, oh, I want to reign in you. I'm excited about this. Could you give me this? I'll do something with this. This is amazing. Like just that dialogue that he desires to have. But if we're always talking, 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 we're not listening. We're missing it. He wants to work in our hearts.